This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, last week we started a sermon series. Uh, we called it Compelled. I want to encourage you to take your outlines out. And today we're going to jump right in. I want to continue to look at it. We looked at the definition of what it means to be compelled. That there is a, there's like a nudge. There's a, there's a force or a push or something's moving you uh, forward. And we believe that God is compelling us to go beyond. And we've been looking at what that uh, means and what that uh, refers to in different ways many ways in our life. And today we're going to look at another one of those ways. So take your outline, take notes with me today, uh, if you will. We're going to be looking uh, deeply into the book of Acts uh, in a few moments. But if you will, let's start reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to read to you verses 14 and 15. Verse 14, Paul's the writer. Paul says, for Christ's love, say Christ's love, Christ's love compels us. It moves us forward because, he tells us why, we are convinced that no one died for all, that, that one died for all, and that therefore all died. So because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him, underline that, who died for them and was raised again. Father, I thank you for your word. And as we've opened it, we know that it is anointed, it's powerful. And I pray that through it in the next few moments that you'll speak to us. Help us to hear, open our heart, our minds, our spirit. Let us receive. Let the word of God penetrate. Give me an anointing today, God, to articulate, to share your message. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Here, Paul says, Christ's love compels us. Now here at Christian Life Center, we say that our mission as a church is to be messengers of hope. We have a mission and our mission, the reason that we're here is to be a messenger of God's hope. Paul says it, it's Christ's love. It's the hope of Christ and that compels us. That is our mission. In fact, over in Acts chapter uh, 20 and verse 24, Paul shares with us the same mission. He just says it a little bit different. Same writer, Paul, writing in a different book, talking in the book of Acts. Luke is writing it. Paul says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless... It's worth nothing unless I finish the work that was assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. What is that work? Well, it's the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Here, Paul is saying, my, my life, he's saying, my life is worth nothing. Now, here's a man that's highly educated. 
Here was a man that politically was in line to be the high priest, which was not only a religious post, but it was a political post. So he's got the highest education. He is highly respected. It would have been, he had the life. He was sent to the best school of the day. So he came from a family that had money. So not only does he have position, he's got possessions, he's got wealth, he's got education, he's got reputation. He's got all of this. And Paul was saying, guys, my life is worth nothing. You see, when he had an encounter with God, he realized the real purpose and the real meaning of life. He says, my life is worth nothing. My life is not my own. That I am a precious gift, a valuable possession of the Lord's. It's his life. It's his that my life belonged to. In fact, I love the way other translations write this same verse. You don't have it, but just listen for a moment. The same verse that we read here in 2 Corinthians 5, the NIV, the NIV reads it like this. He says, I'm going, or, or in Acts uh, uh, 2024, 20, he says this in the NIV, I'm going to finish the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So I have a work that's a sign. There's a task that's been given to me. The Living Bible says the work of telling others the good news. The Message Bible says letting everyone I meet know all about the incredible extravagant generosity of our God. I mean, Paul is helping us to see that there was an assignment, there's a mission, there's a purpose, and it's been given to us. It's not our own life to live as we please. We are a valuable possessions of the Lord, and we've got to live our life to fulfill the assignment that God has given to us. Why are we compelled? What compels us to share the message of hope? It's because he says that his mission has got to become my mission. That which brought Christ from the heaven has got to be a passion in my life. In fact, Jesus says it this way. Look on the screen, John 17 and verse 18. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them, you, the disciples, I give you, Jesus said, a mission in the world. In John 20, in verse 21, he says it another way. In John 20, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, what you learn, like Paul learned, and this is why we're compelled to share his love, what we learn is that God's mission is what really gives us purpose. God's mission gives us real purpose. When I begin to understand that and I begin to understand the mission of God and how his mission gives my life purpose, we can see why Paul says in Corinthians, it compels us. I have something that's pushing and, and, and pressuring and, and nudging me and, and moving me forward. It's because that mission of Christ gives me real purpose when I begin to share it with others that are around. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to another scripture here. We're going to turn down in a moment to the book of Acts. And as we turn down to the book of Acts, we're going to look at the life of Philip. Philip is an example for you and, and for me, and it helps us to see that life is, is not our own. In fact, let me tell you again that the significance of life 
is not your salary. I mean, when we look at the life of Paul, it's, it's not your wealth, it's not your status, it's not how many social likes we get. Our value and our worth in life is in Jesus and it's unto service unto God. Can I hear an amen? It's not how much money I make. It's not how many possessions that I have. I've got to understand, and I hope I can help you to embrace today, that I have a mission. You have a mission. And when we fulfill that mission, it brings real purpose in my life because I can see that God is working through me. In fact, let me show you another verse. Look here. Uh, Now, I'm asking you to turn to Acts chapter 8. It's the story of Philip. But in your outline, let me read this verse to you in Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. Turn over to Acts, but I want to read Mark as you're turning to Acts. Mark chapter 8, verse 35 on the screen. If you insist on saving your life, another way of saying that is if you insist on living your life for yourself, you will lose it. Only those who throw their lives away for my sake, only those that understand that they are my possession and they're fulfilling my mandate and my purpose, only them will they understand that when they give their life away for me and for the sake of the good news, by the way, we call the good news around here the message of hope. That's why we say we're messengers of hope. We have a mission. That mission is to be a messenger of hope to take the good news wherever we go. He says, for the sake of the good news, we'll uh, we'll ever know what it really means to live. When you begin to understand that, you can begin to see what true life is all about. Now, before we look at the life of Philip as an example, I want to make a little teaching distinction for you. And that is, I want you to understand that your mission is different than your ministry. Your mission is different than your ministry. Your ministry is your spiritual gifts. It's your anointing. It's how God wants you to use the gifts that he's given to you to build up the body of Christ. So ministry is building one another up. Maybe you work in the kids department. Maybe you work in surge department. Yesterday, I believe our young, uh, our young people went on what's called JBQ, I believe. They went on a JBQ competition yesterday. Is that right? They, they went on a JBQ uh, junior Bible quiz uh, competition. Maybe you work with them. The reason I know is one of the little guys came back. He got first place and he was all excited. And, uh, and uh, he got second place sometime back. And he said to his mom, I'm going to win first place, mom. I, I'm going to get it. And he got it. Now, it's not just about winning, it's about getting God's word into his heart, but competition kind of spurs them on a little bit, amen? Well, maybe you're working with them. Maybe you're, you're teaching a class, a growth group class. Maybe you uh, are on the evangelism team, the, uh, the hospital um, ministry. You, you go and visit the sick. Maybe you work in a nursing home. Maybe you work with the youth. And I could go on and on and on. Maybe, man, one of the hardest ministries we have on Sunday is the parking lot ministry. I mean... I mean, those guys work hard out there. And ladies too, I'm sorry, we got both of them out there. But man, they work hard out there. It doesn't matter what ministry, your ministry, your ministry is building up the body of Christ. God's given you gifts to strengthen the body. But your mission 
It's to a lost and to a dying world. And we all have been given a mission. Our ministries are different. Our mission is the same. And that is to be messengers of hope and to take the message of hope, say it with me, everywhere we go to everyone we meet. So today we want to look at the life of, of Philip. And I want to give you a few points on how we can do this effectively, how we can uh, share God's love effectively. Now, I'm going to uh, share with you out of the book of Acts now. We're going to stay there mostly through the rest of our sermon so you can click over there or turn over there. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 is the story of Philip. I want you to make a mental note though that Philip is a layman. Philip is not a pastor. He's, he's, he's not been trained uh, to do what he's going to be doing. He was one of the first deacons that came up when the apostles could not do all of the weight of the ministry. And boy, I loved our, 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 our leaders. I call them today, not just uh, uh, deacons, uh, but leaders that helped to do the work of the ministry. And here, Philip is just a leader. He's a layman. And I shouldn't use the word just, but hopefully you understand what I'm saying here is that he is one that God's going to use. In fact, this is the very first evangelistic revival that we're seeing in the New Testament. And it's coming from a layman. It's not coming from one of the apostles that rose up and allowed God to begin to use them tonight. Here an amen in the house. Acts chapter 8. Look with me here in verse 6 is the story. Those who had been scattered, they were under persecution. And so they're being scattered. And as they, they scatter for their lives, trying to protect their lives because they're preaching and they're living for Christ, they begin to preach the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed it. He shared Christ there. Now, when the crowds heard Philip, they saw, and they saw the miraculous signs that he did, they paid close attention to what he said. So understand what's happening is Philip leaves Samaria and, or leaves uh, the revival and he begins to go down to Samaria. And as he goes down, he goes down and he's under persecution. He goes to Samaria and he begins to share the message of Christ. It says, it makes note in our passage here that they listened to what he said and they saw the signs, the miracles, the healings, the deliverances and the salvations that were taking place. You see, he took what he'd been learning from the apostles and he went with it. He was compelled to go and persecution uh, uh, began to lead the disciples everywhere. And as they went everywhere, they were scattered. They began to preach the word of God wherever they went. Now, that's a fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen. Jesus says, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you will become my what? My witnesses. That's right. You'll be my witness. And Jesus says, you're going to be a witness for me in Jerusalem. That's where they were. In Judea, that was the surrounding areas. Samaria, Samaria was a place that they did not like to go, where the Jews would not go. It was, the, it was the inner city of their day. It was the area that they would not go of their day. And then he says, into all the world. And, and, and so here we see now what got them fulfilling the mandate that Jesus told them they were going to fulfill was persecution. 
Can I tell you, persecution on the church has always enabled the gospel to spread because the people of God rise up and determine they're going to have to get real with God and they're going to have to carry that message and they're going to have to stand on the word and they're going to have to really hold on to what they believe. It's actually easy when it's comfortable. When it gets difficult, you begin to stand for your convictions and you begin to hold on. And so they went and they began to preach wherever they went. They were witnesses. You see, a witness is not just something you do. A witness is something that you are. It's something that you carry. That's, that's who you are. And it says they preached the word. They preached the good news wherever they went. And people saw, people heard, people saw something in their life and they saw the miracles and they saw the healings and the deliverances and that which God was doing. And as God saw, as God was seeing fit to anoint them, people saw something that was real and genuine and authentic. And boy, the gospel spread even faster. Now we call this, this type of, of uh, evangelism, this type of living this out, we call this a lifestyle of evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism. Another way of saying it is relational evangelism or relationship evangelism. That as you go, you go out into society that you begin to develop meaningful relationships with others and the gospel is demonstrated through your life. That people see how you live. They see the integrity of your life. They see the convictions of your life. They see that you're the same in the church and out of the church. That which you say you believe is actually what you live out in your life. They see you. You become a gospel that they begin to read. It's not just a gospel that you give to them, but your life becomes the living gospel. The life of Christ in you begins to shine. Now that's the key. That's the key to the gospel spreading. It's the key of us beginning to see what God wants to do in South Florida and to begin to see souls saved and lives changed is that we begin to live the life and people begin to see the message in us and they begin to see through us the power that's demonstrated through the name of Jesus. If someone's sick at work, you don't say, come to church and let my pastor pray for you. You say, you know what? I've got some anointing oil. Let me anoint you with oil and pray over you. It reminded me, and Pastor Candy, maybe we should do it. I don't know. It reminded me of Pastor Paul from India in that video. Now, he had that colorful jacket, right? You remember? You can't miss him, right? And boy, he, I mean, he, every time he's preaching, he's going like this. You think I move. I mean, he's just, did you see him in the video? Okay, well, come to, you, know, you, you know, he's just moving around. But you know what they do in their service is they have buckets of oil. Now, their church is running, I think, 45,000 people. I mean, we got the auditorium for it. God just send the people for it, amen? They're running 45,000 people. They're doing like eight services on a Sunday. It's phenomenal to see what God's doing. I mean, people are lined up outside, traffic stops. I love it when people go, when, when I'm talking to somebody, which church you go to? Oh, I'm at commercial. Oh, that church, yeah, that big church. Man, on Sunday, the police stopped the traffic. I mean, that, that excites me, man. I just was like, yeah, that's the place. That's the place. You know, come on, come on over. Well, Pastor Paul, what they do on Sunday, Candy, if you remember him telling us, they have, they have some pails of oil, anointing oil. 
And everybody brings their own anointing oil uh, flasks or, or whatever you call it, glass or containers or oil containers. And they come to church on Sunday and, and the pastors help them to fill their oil up because it's been prayed over, it's been anointed, it's anointed oil and they get their oil because when they go out into the community of India throughout the week, they're not saying, come, let my pastor pray for you. They're saying, let me pray for you. You've not been sleeping at night. Guess what? I used to be the same way. Let me pray for you and let's believe together what God's going to do in your life. Your marriage is struggling. Your children are walking through a tough time. You're worried about something. It's not, oh, just come to church with me. Yes, we want them to come, but the power of God gets manifested in and through our life and the anointing goes through. That's the life of Philip. And man, Philip went into Samaria and a revival broke out. I mean, the core of the gospel, hear me now. The core of this message that we preach is that Jesus offers fulfillment in life. We're living in a world where they're searching and they're seeking and they're wanting and they're trying to find fulfillment. You and I have the answer and the fulfillment of life is in Jesus Christ. We share that. We share what it means when we come to Christ. The core of the gospel is that Jesus gives fulfillment. God offers fulfillment, but he also brings freedom in your life. Man, I was once blind, but now I see he gives you healing. Man, I used to be tormented. My life used to be, oh, so anxious and anxiety. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't go out of the house. I had all these worries. I came into this country as an immigrant. I didn't know if I was going to be deported or not. But God came through and God broke through for my life. He gives freedom in our life. The sun will set you free. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. Don't be settling for crumbs at the foot of the table when you can live an abundant life in Jesus Christ. He gives fulfillment. He gives you freedom. But most of all, the gospel through Jesus Christ gives us forgiveness of sin. Now, the forgiveness of sin, the greatest, the greatest thing you've got to remember about that is when God forgives you, your guilt is removed. He forgives you, but he takes your guilt. Your conscience is wiped clean. You can begin to walk a life knowing that I have peace with my maker. My creator, God, loves me, and I've got a relationship with him, and he's given me peace in my heart and my life because I know that I am forgiven. I know that I'm received. I know that I'm accepted. He gives me forgiveness. Forgiveness comes through repentance. When I repent of my sin and I turn to God, if you're here today and you're living in a life of sin, there's some things that have broken relationship with God. If you don't have peace with God, before you leave today, you say, God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I renounce that. I want no part of that. And I'm turning to you, turning away from the sin and turning to you. And the moment you turn to God, God's grace is released as you repent of it and you renounce it and you turn from it and you turn to God, God's grace is released. That's the heart of the gospel. 
You don't have to wait for me to pray. You don't have to have somebody else pray for you. You don't have to come up and let me anoint your head and and do a cross over you and all of that. You don't need to do that. All you've got to do is say, Father God, I love you. Forgive me. Jesus, take my sins away. And the moment you do that, God's grace is released. Now, if you do that, I want you to let me know. I want you to let me know you've done that. I want you to let me know you prayed that prayer in your heart. In fact, the best way to do it is on the back of your outline is a number. You take your cell phone and you text the word salvation to that number. The reason is I want to be praying for you. We want to cover you in prayer. We have a few things we're going to send to you that'll help you walk the life and begin to grow the faith and strengthen your faith to be what God wants you to be. This is the core of the gospel. So here we look at Philip and Philip goes, let's pick back up in our story. He goes down to Samaria. He begins to preach in Samaria. And as he begins to preach there and, and he's sharing the word of God and Samaria is coming to know the Lord, the people see the message. They hear the message. They see the power and the demonstration of the word of God and lives begin to be changed. Now for that to happen in our community and through our life and through our sphere of influence, requires you and I, and I want to give you a metaphor or an analogy that'll help you. We have to see that if we're going to influence the society around us, that we've got to build bridges so that the gospel can flow. We build bridges so that the gospel can flow. The bridge gives us opportunity for the gospel message of Christ to begin to flow. The gospel is like traffic moving along the bridge. Our lives have got to build bridges with society and those that are around us. How do we do that? Well, I want to encourage you, first of all, to build bridges. We've got to develop relationship with those that are away from Christ. You see, we will not be able to impact society just by preaching to society. They've got to see, they've got to hear, there's got to be a demonstration, they've got to witness, they've got to come and see that your life and my life is, 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 is real and it's authentic and that you and I are living it out. We get outside of the church building and we get into the lives of those who are lost. We become the salt and the light so that those that are away from Christ will begin to understand what does it mean to be with Christ and to walk with Christ and to be a Christ follower. It's been said that the best argument for Christ is your life. Your life is a gospel that they will be reading. But it's also been said that the best argument against Christ is our lives. When there's inconsistencies and hypocrisy and when we begin to condemn and we get preachy and we get pushy and we don't live in a relationship but we're more concerned about a convert than we are about relationship, then we push people away from Christ. Can we agree that society has changed? Those of you that are over 50, you can agree with me today, things are different than they were 30 or 40 years ago. The majority now call themselves secular or their other religious backgrounds. We have it more than ever, ever. 
We have many that, that are not holding on as years and years ago, they're not holding on to, the, to Christian values, Christian beliefs, Christian morals. In fact, we're living in a time that many are holding non-Christian morals and non-Christian values and beliefs. We're living in a time, let's just agree, that not everybody believes that this is the written word of God, that this is the guidebook, the guidebook of God. They have different opinions about the Bible. They have different opinions about judgment, heaven, and hell. So we're living in a time that's much different than it's ever been before. And so before, maybe when we would share the word of God or, or share the seed of God's word, it would, be, it would be shared in a way that people would, would, would be prompted maybe more quickly to respond to it. But now we're living in a time where there's got to be a lot more preparation of the soil for the seed of God's word to penetrate into the heart of their spirit so that it'll begin to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. It's much easier than ever before for people to turn you off if you have a different opinion or a different view. And so relationships are the very things that open up pathways into the heart and into the lives of those that are around us. The most effective way to share Christ is through our lives. The Institute of, of American Church Growth in a recent uh, survey they put out the statistics that 79% of those that come to church came because they were invited. 79%, that's eight out of 10 people, came because they were invited. In a recent survey here at Christian Life Center that we did a few months back, 43% of those that are in our church said they came because they were, first of all, invited. Secondly, 25% said that they came because they were looking for a church and they found us. And I say, praise the Lord for that. And that's a testament to our PR team and our social media team and our video team that they get us out there that when people are looking, they can find us. Can I hear an amen? And so the myth, these statistics break down the myth. And the myth has always been people are not open to the gospel. But the myth is saying they're not open, but the statistics are saying completely different. The statistics are saying they are open and they will come. And therefore we're saying, God, let us be a bridge into their life and build relationship so that, Father, we can see those that are away from you come back to you. So here we see Philip. Philip goes to Samaria and he begins to share Christ. Samaria, I said earlier, Samaria is non-believers. The Jews did not like the Samaritans. The Jews would not walk through Samaria. I mean, this was that place that they would avoid. Samaria worshiped, according to the Jews, in the wrong place. Samaritans didn't even have all of the books of the Old Testament. They only studied the first five books. So the Jews didn't even believe they had the whole gospel. They believed that they were heretics. They hated them. These were the Jews. And Philip, a layman, a deacon, a leader in the church, the Holy Spirit begins to empower them. And when persecution comes, he goes, I can guarantee you as a Jewish man, he didn't go where he necessarily wanted to go, but he went where the Spirit of God was leading him. He didn't deal with people that he necessarily wanted to deal with, but the Spirit of God led him. 
You may not like it. You may not like uh, the environment. You may not like where you go, but it's where God has called you. It's where God is placing you. It's where God is using you. You may not like your neighborhood. You may not like your job. You may not like your relatives. You may not like those that are around you, but God has placed you there and see that there is an anointing to be used by that. So here's our action step today. It's not on the screen. You write it in. I dropped my card on the floor here. But your action step is to take out of your bulletin the little card that's the relational uh, sphere of influence card. And over the next week, I pray that God will use this card in your life to help you begin to see who's in your life, around your life, that is away from Christ. They're not where they need to be with Christ. And just allow the Lord to begin to show you who they are. Might be people in in your neighborhood, your apartment complex, where you live. It might be people at uh, at your work uh, uh, or school if you're a student. Might be family members around your life, family members or, 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 or friends around your life. Just begin to write two or three names in each of these. Now, yes, we could have a lot of names, absolutely. Begin to pray and say, God, who would you have me, first of all, to begin to target? Who are people that are around me that need to be saved? Begin to pray for wisdom from God. Wisdom for what? Well, wisdom to say, God, who is spiritually receptive right now? People are walking through different things in their life. Who are people right now that, God, they're a little bit more open Communication is getting opened up. I'm, I'm getting an opportunity. Friendship is beginning to be, to be built. And, 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 and maybe right now, there are some individuals that's going through some crisis in their life. They're gonna be much more open, God. And, and it's gonna enable me to begin to preach and share and, and live among them and, and be a witness. People that maybe you're concerned about in your sphere of influence. So the action step is to begin to write these names down. And this is a key to have these names, to put it somewhere that you'll remember. Maybe it's in your car, when you're driving, that you'll remember. Because when you keep it before you, it stays before your mind and it stays before your prayers. And you can begin to pray for God to open up doors and opportunities, opportunities to develop deeper friendship and relationship. You begin to ask God to give you wisdom, to open your eyes, to show you when a door is being opened, to give me boldness. That's my prayer. The Holy Spirit in my life is God, I need boldness. I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, not to be timid, but to step through the door. Oh, it's one thing for me to step on this platform. It's another thing to sit in the barber's chair and share my faith with the barber when he's cutting my hair. First of all, he's holding the scissors. (laughs) But then that introvertedness steps in. I'm not like my wife. I can't grab the cashier's hand and say, let me pray. I can feel it when it's about to happen. And when she starts to do it, I'm already pulling back. I'm already moving off. I'm getting the, honey, I'm going to get the cart. I go get the cart, you know. But I need boldness in that area. Don't judge me. I need boldness in this area. And so I'm saying, God, give me boldness to share. Give me the right opportunity to share. Put it in a prominent place, a place that will remind you to pray, a place that you can look at it. Ideally, write three, four, five names. Don't write more than 10 names, ideally, on here, probably. And in every month, prayerfully say, God, who are three or four or five people that this month especially 
Because things are always happening in people's lives and Holy Spirit will begin to guide you. So to build bridges, I've got to first of all begin to build relationships. Secondly, I've got to begin to look for ways to serve those that are on my card. To look for ways to serve them, to strengthen this relationship. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 16. Jesus said, let your light shine for all. Let your what? Your good deeds glow. And we need to say that together. Glow. Let your good deeds glow for all to see. Now, what are your good deeds? It's acts of kindness. It's serving and love. Let your good deeds glow for all to see. Then your Father in heaven, he will be glorified. Look for ways to serve. Let there be a sensitivity. You see, love begins by looking. Love begins by seeing. Love begins by showing that you care. It shows that you're aware. Why is this so important? It's because we're always in such a hurry. In fact, it's been said, hurry is the death of kindness. The more hurried we are, the less kind we are. We've got to slow down so that love can flow. And he says, let your good deeds glow. Your acts of kindness, your serving glow for all to see. But when we're busy and we're running and we're going from this to that to that, we don't see the needs that are around us. Let's be honest. If I want to see America, I can do it many different ways. I can get on an airplane and I can fly across America, but I'm going to see very little of America. I could get in a car or a train and I could go across America in a car or a train. And I'm going to see a lot more. But quite honestly, if I really wanted to see it, I begin to walk and I'm going to recognize a lot more. You see, the slower you go, the more you see. And we've got to be a people that says, God, help me to be sensitive. Write that in your notes. Let me be sensitive like you were sensitive and to slow down and to see the needs that are all around. So first of all, I've got to build relationships. That's going to build a bridge. Secondly, I've got to begin to serve them acts of kindness. That's going to build a bridge. And then thirdly, I've got to begin to share with them to share with them. Now, before I go into point three, let me say the action steps for you coming out of point two is a few things that you've got to just begin to pray and ask God to help you see people and their needs. To be on the lookout, to say, God, how can I help? How can I encourage? How can I care? Maybe you begin on the names that you've got on your card. You begin to map out a little bit what they're walking through, what they're struggling with, and let God begin to show you in wisdom how you can minister to them. I love what Paul says in Galatians 6. He says, therefore, look here, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Just those that we like? No, everyone. Those that we agree with? No, everyone. And he said, but especially those in the family of God, but not only to those in the family of God, wherever, to everyone, we got to slow down. Here, Philip is, he comes and, and he goes into Samaria and it's in the middle of revival. And look what happens. Look in verse 26 with me. He's in the middle of revival. Things are happening in Samaria. And the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south 
to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he set out, he started out and he was on his way and he meets an Ethiopian eunuch. This eunuch was an important official who was in charge of all of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. And I've always called my wife a queen and here's her name, Candace. <laughs> the queen of Ethiopia. This man, the Ethiopian unit, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. When you look at this, you see that here in the middle of revival, all of a sudden, God's going to rearrange his steps. And as we're praying for these names and as we're looking for ways to serve them and we're asking God to give us these kinds of opportunities, God will arrange divine appointments and opportunities. He'll bring people intentionally into your path so that you can minister to them and you can show love and kindness to them. Thirdly, I want you to write it down. The third way to build bridges is not only to build a relationship. Secondly, we talked about beginning to serve them. But thirdly, we've got to share the gospel. We've got to share the gospel. Look in verse 27, Acts 8. So he started out and on his way, he met the Ethiopian unit, an important official in charge of the, the treasury of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. And here, this man had gone from Jerusalem to worship. We read that. Now on his way home, verse 28, he was sitting in his chariot and he was reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And in verse 35, a few verses down, it says, Philip then began with that very passage of scripture to tell him the good news about Jesus. What's so powerful about this is that Philip starts where the Ethiopian eunuch was. He asks the question, do you know, do you understand what you're reading? And he begins to explain Christ to him. You see, when we overcome our fear and the Holy Spirit emboldens us and empowers us to share with love the bridge that you've built in relationship, the relationship that's been strengthened through sharing and, and serving will now give you opportunity to share. When you begin to get involved with those that are around you, those that you're going to write on your sphere of influence card, God will open up doors. And you'll begin to find ways that you can weave what God's done into your life, into their life, and into your story. It's kind of like fishing. If you ever go fishing, I was thinking about it this week. When you go fishing, you, you find the right bait when you go fishing. You don't use the same bait for every kind of fish. Pastor Kevin uh, uh, was going to be going away this week and, and he was asking Pastor Stephen, who is a fisherman, if he could borrow a fishing pole because he's going to go fishing. And the first thing Pastor Stephen asked him is, what kind of fish are you fishing for? Well, I don't know if Pastor Kevin's ever been fishing before because he didn't know what kind of fish he was going fishing for. <laughs> he just said, I'm going to a pond. <laughs> and I said, you're probably going to go for bass. And Pastor Stephen said, oh, you're going to need this kind of pole and you're going to need this kind of bait. You see, it's different for different people on your list. When you go fishing, you don't use the same bait for everyone. 
God will use your story. He'll use things in your life. And when you begin to, to share, you can walk across that bridge into their life. Now, if you've ever gone fishing, I'm telling you, in fact, I was gonna show you a picture, but I looked really bad in it. I caught a really good fish not long ago with one of our members in Coral Springs and, and, uh, and it was a good fish. I had to throw it back because it was small. He said it was too small, but it was like that big. I'm not exaggerating. It was like, it was really big. Maybe I'll show it in the next service. It was like really, really big. But when I was out there, I had the bait. He's a real fisherman. So I, uh, you know, I had the right bait. We were in the right place and I was just waiting and, and I would feel them biting and I would jerk and he would say, no, 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 no. You got to be patient. They're just nibbling. Well, man, it made me think, how many times have I tried to set the hook too fast in an unbeliever when they're not ready yet? I got the right bait. I'm in the right place, it's the right time, but I'm not waiting and they're nibbling, but, but I, I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to set it too quick. You see, the nibble is people's questions. When they ask you questions, when they ask, how do you do it? When they ask this about your life or, or what did you do? Or where did you go? Or what'd you do yesterday? That's a nibble. And when they nibble, then you begin to weave in your faith story. You begin to weave in what God is doing, what God has done, what God has promised, answers that God has given, testimonies that you have. You see, evangelism isn't just an event, it's a process. They're, they're nibbling, they're nibbling. And then finally you can set the hook. The reality is people are interested. They're interested in your story. They, they can relate to your story. They, they can't argue your story because it's your story. It's what God has done in your life. But the biggest barrier many times for us is fear. And so the way we step over it is we just try to shove the gospel down them and we try to set the hook really fast because it makes us feel like we've done it right. But the reality is, man, it's like fishing. And as we're fishing, we're beginning to share love and grace and mercy through our story and people begin to nibble on that. And a time will come where you can share what God's done in your life. You can begin to share it with them. Can I hear an amen? The last thing I want you to see, and I want our worship team to come back. The very last thing. Now, before I read this, I'm sorry, I got to share one more verse with you. It's in Colossians. I love this verse. Colossians chapter four and verse three. I love this verse. It, it, it summarizes this whole message. Paul says, pray for us. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message. Now we've been talking about what Paul said the message was. It was the good news. It was the message of hope. It was a message of salvation. Pray that God would open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Now he says, I'm in chains for this gospel. So he's writing it while he's in change. I'm in change, but pray that God will open this door. And then he says here that we may proclaim it clearly as we should. Look in verse five, he says, be wise. Wise in the way you act and how you're acting to outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of what? grace seasoned with 
salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Answer what? Answer the little nibbles. Answer the questions. Answer. That's why Jesus says, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll teach you how to do it. We come. Now, there will come a point as you build relationship, as you begin to serve, as you begin to share, there will be a point that you'll be able to invite them to become a Christ follower. Don't forget to invite. After you've shared, after opportunities are there, you can invite You can let them come to that point of decision-making when you know that they've grasped the, the implications of the gospel, that they understand that God loves them, that they understand that sin separates from a loving God, that they understand that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that they could be reconciled, find forgiveness of sin, and find peace with God. And all they have to do is ask for forgiveness. And once they ask for forgiveness, the grace of God is released and they come back into a right relationship with God. That you know that they understand that. You can say, are you ready to be a Christ follower? Are you ready to ask him to forgive you of your sin? To turn from the sin, to see the power of sin broken and to turn back to Christ? Are you ready to confess your faith in Christ? And when you invite, the Holy Spirit begins to work. Let me share this last verse in closing. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. Finally, dear brothers, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you, Paul says again, for you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message, the message of hope, The message of the good news will spread rapidly and will be honored wherever it goes. I love it. Just as it was when it came to you, let's pray that that'll happen. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.